Hey guys, very happy to announce our new sponsor of the show, and that is Run Your Mouth Coffee. Run Your Mouth Coffee is where delicious coffee meets uncensored speech. The co-founders are libertarians who have paired their love of fresh roasted coffee with the healthy hatred of censorship. Run Your Mouth Coffee was founded by two libertarian podcasters you might know, John Odermatt and Ben Pangy. The coffee beans are sourced from around the world and roasted to order in the U.S., so you receive your fresh roasted coffee at its peak flavor. If you're feeling rebellious, check out the Rebellion Beans. They're aged for 30 days in a bourbon barrel, then roasted to order. Go to rymcoffee.com and use promo code PTTW for 10% off and free shipping. And guys, there are a lot of reasons to support this company. I mean, not only is it a just great product and a product that you're already using, but with woke capitalism taking over, you don't want to support big corporations that are going woke. I mean, Starbucks, it's overpriced, it's overrated. Folgers is, I mean, it, they're probably woke. I haven't checked, but you know, anytime you have like a Chick-fil-A in the news, it's a big deal. So I just assume default settings, it's, you know, they're woke. So go with the anti-woke people, support like-minded libertarians. So go to rymcoffee.com, use promo code PTTW and get 10% off and free shipping. All right, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Paul's to the Wall. I am your host, Mike Paul, and today I am joined uh, for the second time on this show with the great Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, arguably the fastest growing uh, podcast in the Liberty Circle. I'm trying my best, man. <laughs> Is my mic set all right? I just got recently set up, so. Oh, you sound great. Okay, good. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... um. Kind of the same. That's the reason why I wanted to have you on for this episode was um, I originally wanted to do this in September because we were taking a month off of politics. And I was like, I'm going to pick topics that I really enjoy, want to learn more about, interview people that know more about it than myself. And I picked personal finance because clearly uh, you're a younger guy who's done very well financially to the point where you can now transfer careers into this. So I was like, well, here's a libertarian minded guy who has proved out in the field that uh, probably could teach everyone a few tricks. So um, yeah, give us a little bit of, of your backstory. Um, I know you've been pretty open about uh, being in the real estate business and how you got to where you were, but um, give us just kind of like your, what I did for summer vacation kind of a uh, backstory. Yeah. I, uh, I started in, actually I started working for Verizon wireless back in the day um, as a, cell phone salesman but well if you want me if you want the full story i started as you know working for my dad as a uh basically a a fan installer in san bernardino when i was 14 years old that was my first job 120 degree heat and i was putting up uh, ceiling fans and it was the worst job ever and from that i learned that i wanted to use my brain for work moving forward so um after high school i uh, i went to college i had a friend die in front of me, which was horrible. So I dropped out of college and then I um, started working for Verizon Wireless. And I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to make some money and see what I can do. And I ended up being one of the top 10 sales reps in the, in the country for Verizon. And I was like, okay, well I have sales skill. I've now learned that. Um, and then after that, I decided to go back to college because I realized that sales of that nature were very, um, high pace, but they would burn you out really rapidly. So I went back to college just to finish my degree, got a business management degree. And then, um, out of college, I entered it 
in 08, you know, right into kind of the teeth of the recession. And I had lots of job opportunities, but my dad was dealing with a whole bunch of foreclosures because he was a mortgage broker. And he's like, hey, I could really use your assistance in liquidating these things. So I started doing that for him, um, found a lot of success there, found that that was very much up my alley and my skill set really aligned with that. And from that, I worked for him for five years. And then I went on to start my own company, which was also a private money mortgage company. My dad retired and uh, basically seven, eight years later, lockdowns happen. I've you know accrued a, a bunch of personal wealth and investments. And I just said, okay, I'm going to start screaming about the lockdowns and stop making money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've kind of proven that whatever you... Uh you know, dip your toe into, you can be successful at. So, um, I think you've done pretty well yeah. just a year and a half into it. Um, yeah. So what kind of habits or principles do you live by when it comes to, to personal finance? What are some just good advice to someone who has no idea because, you know, say they got out of public school and they teach you nothing about how to manage money or do anything to make yourself self-sufficient. What are just some good, you know, if you have like a few rules or principles to live by um, when it comes to your personal finance? Yeah, I mean, I've always been very frugal. I think it starts there. Um, I think it's really important that you don't spend above your means. Um, I've also very early on in life, I learned the power of compounding interest. So I, I learned that, you know, if you if you delayed gratification, if you were willing to sacrifice the present for the future, the future became unbelievably bright. Um, so that was, that was largely what I, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest trait that has got me to where I'm at today is that I just simply, um, I was willing to delay gratification for a very long time. And, and because of that, I constantly accrued wealth and, and invested it and grew the wealth and invested it. And I never spent anything. Um, and then anytime I were to spend money on myself, it would always be an appreciating asset, like a house, um, so I think that, you know, just kind of knowing where your money grows versus where it depletes itself and uh, and only only putting your wealth there. Uh, I think that's that's probably the biggest, uh, you know, trick if, the, if, if, if it's a trick um, that I would tell people, you know, make sure that that you're not you're not sacrificing your future for the present. In fact, you should probably be sacrificing your present for the future. And I think that that's what I've done a good job at. Hundred percent. I mean, that's something that I've anecdotally learned myself as well, and that's kind of what got me into the whole Liberty Podcast uh, world. Was I was very into being an entrepreneur and managing my own money uh, when I was younger. Um, had a couple ventures that tried and failed, and I'm currently employed uh, mostly because I have a family and I just don't have time for the ventures I want to chase. But um, I remember when I was before I got into even big into politics, I was always into working full time. I was living at home. I was buying and selling high-end sports cars, Corvettes, Vipers, CTSV Cadillacs. Like I always had flashy stuff. My friends thought either my dad was buying it for me or I was dealing drugs. But <laughs> I've, I've gotten that a lot of times. <laughs> right. And I was like, no, I, you know, I, I live at home. I'm working full time. I'm not going to college. And I just have a really flashy side hustle. Like you, what you're seeing, that's my bank account. So yeah, it's a, it's a $20,000 car, $30,000 car. It's they, it was, it looked expensive, but I was always delaying gratification the same way. I was under a keep it. I would have it for a few months, sell it for more than I paid, buy the next right. one. And now I'm 31. I've had over 50 to 60 cars. It's, wow. really slow. it's slowed down in the last five years since I had kids. Sure, but sure. Um, that's, that's when very, I found. Oh, go ahead. 
Uh, I was just going to say that's very similar to what I've done. Um, you know, the the first, well, first off, I first property I bought was a mobile home. And that's where I lived when I was 25, 26 years old uh, for a year and a half, I guess. And I ended up losing my ass on it because the real estate market took a shit. The reason I bought it is because I couldn't afford any real estate in Southern California at the time because real estate was so expensive in 2005, 2006. For those that are too young, okay. they don't know. But it basically, the prices you're experiencing today is the same uh, pricing structure that we had back then. So I, I, the only opportunity I had was to buy a mobile home and I bought it, you know, super cheap because I, I tore out this old one. I put in a brand new one. I was in for 130 grand. It was, it was valued probably at 200 grand. So I felt like a genius. I was like, Hey, I, you know, I, uh, I bought this thing that I would have got for 200. I got it for 130. Like, look, look at me. Market takes the shit. I ended up selling the thing for 105. So I, I lost 25 grand on it, but, um, you know, ultimately it was a valuable lesson. And, and I was able to, in that period, I was going to college full time. I was taking over 20 units a semester. I was really grinding. Like I was trying to get done with college because I had delayed a lot because of my friend's passing and my depression from that. Um, so I, from there, uh, the first place I buy is this house in Escondido, which is not the nicest part of San Diego, but it's not bad either. And I get this 4,000 square foot house for, and it's beautiful. It's on a 1.7 acres of land. It's like, it's phenomenal, uh, but it's beat to hell. And I end up spending a hundred thousand renovating it um, but anyways, the reason I'm bringing this up is to correlate to what you were saying is that, you know, I, even though I had this giant house in Escondido, I put myself in the, I, I subdivided it kind of, I, I put up a wall around the stairs and I lived downstairs and I rented out the top three bedrooms upstairs. So I had the shitty area. I rent out the nice area to, to <laughs> these tenants. They cover my mortgage. I lived there for free for four years. Um, same thing. Then I, I have this opportunity to buy this house in Carlsbad once again. Well, now I'm doing a little bit better. I have a business. I'm like, all right, I get to live upstairs this time. So I live upstairs, but I rent out the downstairs. And I and at the time, Airbnb is a, a really successful thing. So I end up Airbnb my downstairs. It has this ocean view, water view. Um, I'm getting like 200 bucks a night for my downstairs rental. And I end up living there for free for seven years. Wow. So basically, I lived for free for 11 years. But the key is I always sacrificed. What I was doing with that wasn't necessary. I didn't have to do any of that. I could have kept that place to myself. I could have enjoyed it. Like people always think like, oh, you you have money. You, you, you got lucky, you know, like, sure. Right. That happens sometimes too. But also there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes into this. If you're not doing it through trust funds and things like that, like, is it a major sacrifice to me? No, it's not. But it is a sacrifice that a lot of people aren't willing to make. They're not willing to have strangers in the home. I had over 350 groups of people live with me over a four or five year period. Um, did I make a lot of money from it? Yes. But also when I have guests down there, I'm not allowed to have people over because I can't play music because my reviews will be shitty. So like these are <laughs> yeah. all of the sacrifices that you're making. And, and as you make more and more sacrifices, the more, um, you know, in the black you end up. Yeah, dude, I don't know if I would be willing to do that. That's I like my privacy, but hey, that's I understand the formula. That's the way to go. Yeah. Well, well, um, keep keep in mind though. I what I did was I I built a, a deck edition and I and I wrapped stairs around it so that they had a private entrance. So oh, cool. I, I actually did have my privacy. I just did not have the capacity to live how I wanted to, like blaring music in the middle of the night and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> kind of. I was bringing it back home to podcasting on what I was talking about with. My journey, like my my first passion was I like cars, I like business, I like buying and selling. I always looked at my bank account like a video game where I was going for a higher score, higher score. Yeah. You know, and it starts off with five hundred bucks and you hit your first thousand, your first two thousand when you're a teenager, and you keep trying to build it up. And 
that's when I, my brother turned me on to podcasts and the first liberty minded one I found was Jason Stapleton. And right away I was like, oh dude, this guy's entrepreneur, successful, you know, talks a lot about all these skills and he's liberty minded. Like I was sold. And then that's when my, and there's kind of like a divide between like the Dave Smith crowd and the Stapleton crowd these days. But back then this was like 2016 ish. Um, that's my, my brother was telling me to, he's like, check out this guy that was on Rogan, this Dave Smith guy. He's great. So I was like, oh, I'll check him out. And I think I looked up like a Legion of Skanks episode or something. And it was like the, just the wrong one at the wrong time. And I listened to it and I'm like, what the fuck are you getting out of this? This is, like, <laughs> this is so vulgar. Like I didn't know about part of the problem. I just thought it was just right. Legion of Skanks. But, um, so I didn't really get into Dave for another like six months. My brother kept telling me, he's like, dude, this Dave guy is probably my favorite podcaster. I'm like, dude, I tried it. it. Just didn't like Jason doesn't even swear. We just talk. He just talks entrepreneurial, <laughs> entrepreneurial stuff. Uh, and then Dave sat in for Jason's show a couple times back in the day, and that's when I heard oh. him talk. Just him being Dave, and I was like, oh shit! I didn't. I, I didn't it. even. I didn't even know that happened. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's how my brother heard him on Rogan. Then I heard him sit in for Stapleton. Yeah, back like 2016, and that's kind of like what crossed it over. I was like, well, I'm really interested in this, and this podcasting thing seems really fun, and you know, I, we did one podcast, my brother and I about cars back then for like 25 episodes till the, till the kids came along. But, um, that kind of went on the back burner once again and until just last year, but that kind of crossed me over. And then I started getting more and more in, into politics and saying, uh, you know, what, you know, how all these principles kind of transfer, like the, the way you live through all these libertarian principles, you know, there's, it's a lot of stuff you can prove on the field and people can kind of see, well, like if your beliefs are so good, like, you know, you know, why aren't you rich, you know, but if you really are being self-sufficient and applying yourself and not asking for handouts, it kind of all went hand in hand. I mean, do you believe that your political ideology had a lot to do with your, your business strategy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, particularly for me, because I was a money manager. I mean, I, I was responsible for evaluating risk. I mean, and, and on a macro and micro level. So my entire job was to make sure that I ushered their capital into secure investments. If you don't understand economics, you aren't a good libertarian and you are also are not a good money manager. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, my, my experience, my background, the, you know, the fact that I have such a phenomenal track record with investing other people's capital as well as my own um, is hard evidence that our ideology works. And I try and, I try and express that in a way that isn't braggadocious, but encouraging, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to let people know they have a tool in their tool belt that very few people have. If you understand how economics works, if you understand that fiat currency is a game, you can still play that game, but you know what you're doing versus other people who are trend following. And they're just basically throwing, throwing their money like a casino. I can, I can still play in the casino, but I have, I have a, you know, uh, an edge. I have, I have the capacity to basically beat the house because I understand what game I'm playing, whereas most people don't. So I think that it's very important, actually. And I think that, that my ideology, my philosophy, my political beliefs all align tremendously so with both my business background as well as just how my brain works. I couldn't agree more. And that, that's kind of a good segue into what's going on right now in the world for people who may want to pursue being self-employed right now with, you know, the big jab nasty being on the plate by their employer. Um, that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I find this information to be so vital right now 
what would be your, your advice to someone who, let's say they've had poor financial decisions or they're paycheck to paycheck, or maybe they've got a big family um, and maybe they're in a, an employer that's going to put them into a ultimatum here and they got to make a big decision to go with their principles or, or cave, you know, what, let's say somebody's willing to get pushed out and stick to their principles. What, what would be some good advice to someone to, to right away start being more financially responsible and, and kind of move into self-employment? Well, unfortunately with money management and investments, it's not something that you can snap your fingers. You can't, you can't really will your way into instantly being financially free. Like it takes time. It takes, this is why I talk about delayed gratification. It's like, I did that for my entire twenties. I had way more money than I was spending and I was constantly stockpiling and reinvesting and sacrificing in the present for a better future. So I can't tell people if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're, and you're on the verge of eviction or foreclosure or something like that. And your boss is coming to you saying, Hey, uh, you have to get this V or, or I'm going to fire you. Um, you know, you're in a, if you have kids, you're in a very rough position and, and, you know, I don't want to shame you at all, but I would say, I hope you take this moment to reflect on the past decisions you've made and, and you really think about why are you in this position? Because you've had 18 months. I mean, you've had 18 months to really see the trajectory of this and see where, see kind of where this is going. And you still are paycheck to paycheck. Like, I know it sounds like I'm being mean, but I, and I genuinely do not mean to be. I am simply saying you had time. So like now you're up against it. This is the product of that. You know, this right. is the reason you're here is because of prior behavior. And I hope that you reflect on that and you change it in the moment so that say, say after this, there's a social credit score or some, some other nonsense, tyrannical bullshit that gets rolled out, that you're in a better position where you can take a stand. Um, and all that being said, I hope that even if you're paycheck to paycheck, you, you are still willing to take a stand. Um, and I hope that you're willing to, to sacrifice some serious things to try and stem the tide of totalitarianism. Like I, I that's, that's where we're headed in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that I'm in a position where I can tell employers and the government, and a whole bunch of people, private businesses to fuck off if they want me to have it. Um, I hope that more people will follow in, in my footsteps and, and get themselves in that position as well. And I really hope that didn't come off as if I was just being a dickhead to everybody. Cause I, I, I do feel for people. Um, but I just hope you understand that you may be sacrificing once again, you're sacrificing the future for your present. If you cave in this moment. Right. It's kind of like that saying that, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The next best time is today. Exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, there are, and there are outliers. There are people who have been, who are financially responsible, who've had things outside of their control, medical, you know, emergencies or something that can, can, can ruin them. So there's, there's those kind of outliers, but by and large, I think it's like over 50% of Americans don't have $500 put away for an emergency. So those are the kind of people where it's like, I don't know if it's the public education system we can blame or what. I mean, I mean, um, it, see, here's the thing. I'm speaking to libertarians here. So right. like I am not lecturing, lecturing everybody. I'm saying if you understand the things that you and I do and you're still destitute, you're doing something wrong because you you know all of these things that I'm talking about and you still haven't done anything to get yourself in a better position. The rest of the people that don't understand libertarianism, they don't understand Austrian economics, they don't understand business cycle theory, they don't understand any of this. I have a lot more sympathy sympathy for them 
the libertarians that are paycheck to paycheck. I'm like, yo, brother, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm we're in a, in a fairly decent spot. I mean, I was I'm sounds like I was very like minded as the way you were through your 20s. Um, I wouldn't be willing probably to to live with people. That's probably where I draw my line. Just like I mean, I'm I'm out in five acres right now in the country. I, I value my privacy so much. Sure, so I, sure. I found other avenues to to make uh, income, but I was always way below my means. Um, I mean, even right now, I'm I named off all those flashy cars I used to have. Today, I have a 2004 Prius with a salvage title. That's what I daily drive. <laughs> there so you I do go. A thousand a week, and it's just a tool. I don't give a shit about it. Good job, um, Dad. <laughs> your kids will appreciate you. Exactly. It's just delayed gratification. So when they're older, we could have, you know, something nicer. I'm not, and I will still will never waste money on something that's a stupid purchase. But um, well, let, let me let me cut you off there. I'm about to buy a 2022 Corvette. So oh, hell yes. Like, but the thing is, I drove an 09 Pontiac G6 for 11 years. So like I, I once again, even, and, and in that time, I was making enormous money. So like I even though I'm going to be driving something flashy here soon. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm almost 40 years old, you know, like yeah. let me have my midlife crisis and I earned it. So fuck <laughs> you. If you have a problem with it. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, that's awesome. And I, I support your choice. I'm a big Corvette guy. <laughs> so thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but then, you know, I was kind of the same mentality. Uh, I did a collector car auction venture with my dad when I was 23, we did two in 15 months, um, completely did everything. I mean, set up a website, recruited all the stuff, got all the licensing. I mean, it was like my first business venture. First one, we lost money. Second one, we broke even. Third one, we were poised to make money, but there's a lot of personal decisions. You know, I want my dad to be my dad, not my business partner. That kind of came clear. Also, uh, I realized I'd, I'd never get married because I was working like seven days a week, like nights. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to have a family someday. Um, then, you know, careful what you wish for. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple you years it. later, a couple years later, meet a girl with a kid, get her pregnant kind of fast, get her married, put some twins through her. And then oh, within Jesus. three years, I had four kids. So <laughs> You sound like Josh Smith. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but that's that kind of like re kind of calibrated what I wanted out of life. Because I was ready to be like, I'm never gonna get married. I'm just gonna keep going, putting money away, doing this. This formula is working. I didn't go to college. I didn't have any debt. I didn't get my first credit card or auto loan until I was 25. I paid cash for everything to that point. I was yeah. just terrified of debt. And but once I had kids, I was kind of like, you know, I, I'm definitely not wealthy by by any standard. But we're for our age, pretty comfortable, and we have one income on a six person family right now out in our house. So you're we're, killing it. I mean, yeah, we're, we're happy and I've reprioritized and I'm in with a great company that I really enjoy my work right now. And I, I think at the moment I'm safe for the, uh, you know, the, the mandate, um, sure. but we'll see if the goalposts move here. And let and, me, uh, let me ahead. add real, let me add real quick that, you know, I think what you said there is really key is that you said your, your priorities changed. If you're, if you're young and you have a family, I, my rules shift a little bit, you know, like mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to accumulate as much wealth and save and invest and do all the things that I've done because I've done it as a single man. So like, I'm not trying to chastise those people in particular because your priority has been raising a family. My priority has been financial freedom. And then I want to have a family. So sure. whatever, whatever order you want to do it in, but I will say this too, it's a hell of a lot easier if you prioritize financial freedom before you have kids. So, yes. you know, consider that before you 
get someone pregnant <laughs> or get <laughs> for married. sure for sure and don't i don't recommend my route either we got the wagon ahead of the horse really quick right. but um hey you know I, we made it work good but yeah no it's um 100 agree i mean it's it's one of those things that I, I came to a realization that i can keep doing what i'm doing i'm just not going to be around for my kids and it might come it might put a strain on my marriage like yep. i can keep hustling i still I mean, I've, I've always bought and sold snowmobiles too, so I can spot a deal, run two hours, go grab it. Like I've been doing that all, you know, all, all throughout my summers when I was younger. And I was like, I can do all this. I just won't be around and my wife's going to get tired of it eventually. And, and then I'll end up, you know, very wealthy and lonely and seeing my kids on weekends and holidays. Exactly. So it's, there is a balance there, but like you said, I think priority one, number one is getting set up before you start a family it's like when people talk about minimum wage how you can't raise a family on minimum wage it's like you're not supposed start to start a family yeah <laughs> you're not supposed to have kids and be on minimum wage salary like right doesn't work right but um no i think that's a that's a very good uh rule well, you, you got you guys everyone's got to kind of find out what's right for them and you know i've i heard that the debate that dave and jason had on lions of liberty and dave pointed out to jason that you know some people like monetary success isn't everything like they, exactly. they, they have other goals, you know? Yep. And and I think that's everyone's unique situation. However, having financial freedom, it, it allows you so much more freedom. In and, and it allows you to pursue some of those other goals. Um, you know, if, if your goal is to be some Buddhist monk and, and to find enlightenment, it helps a lot if you can actually have a roof over your head, you know, it just, it does, it helps. Right. So, um, if you, unless you want to go to India and live in the mountains or something like that, or go into a monastery, like, you know, more power to you. Uh, like none of this applies to someone who truly wants to do away with, uh, materialism and things like that. Uh, but if you intend to, you know, pursue say an artist's life, or you want to be a musician, it's going to take a long runway for you to have success. I mean, I think a perfect example is me with this podcast. This is an artistic endeavor is what mm -hmm. I'm basically doing. I'm, I'm putting myself out there in my late thirties into a venue I know nothing about. And I'm trying to make a second career out of this. I couldn't have done this if I was living paycheck to paycheck, it wouldn't sure. have worked. Um, so these are the types of things that because of my delayed gratification, because of the past sacrifices that I've made, it has laid the groundwork or the, uh, the foundation from which I can take extraordinary risks, like spending 18 months screaming into a microphone with hardly anybody listening. And then all of a sudden people start listening. Like, it, sure. If I didn't, if I didn't have this financial safety net to, to take this leap, um, you know, I probably would have given up after three months and gone back to doing what I did financially. Uh, so I think that there's, there's a lesson in there for sure. Yeah, no, I think you're, uh, you got a lot of thrust off your runway. That's <laughs> yes. very fast, uh, fast paced. I mean, you know, well, yeah, I know. I mean, trust me when I tell you, I did not expect to have the, uh, I mean, I, I, I listened to Dave for five years and I listened to Rogan for a decade and you know, when I started my show in less than a year, I was on part of the problem. I mean, that's crazy. Think about how nutty that is. Like the guy, like he was definitely my primary inspiration for doing what I'm doing. And to, in less than a year to be on his show is just, that's it's astonishing. An accomplishment for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I still can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and clearly your, your experience through your career gave you the ability to speak competently on these issues too, which is yep. why people listen to you. Because um, I remember I heard you on Mark Claire's show mm -hmm. and he kind of said like, you know, you're not someone living in their parents' basement libertarian. Like you're right. someone who's clearly proved it on the field. So people listen. So like, okay, 
this yeah. guy's doing something right. Like, yeah, no, know. I think that's that's so true, and it, it's a huge problem in the the libertarian sphere is that you know a lot of people that have free time are young and they haven't done much with their life, so it's like. You know, I'm not saying that I'm any better than them. I'm just saying I have different life experiences that they simply don't have. Like I have managed hundreds of millions of dollars of investments. Like that is something that you can't bullshit your way into and you can't talk about it intelligently unless you've done it. Um, and I think that those types of things give me a competitive advantage in the podcast sphere that very few people can can actually match up to. Um, so I think that, you know, whether or not you want to do what I did, I think that it's it's a good idea to have proven yourself in other industries and have, have some sort of foundation from which you can, um, you know, speak as an authority so that you can actually like stand apart. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I know we talked about people who may have been paycheck to paycheck going into these problems, but you know, there are people that are probably similar to myself who are financially stable for less of a better term, not wealthy, but, but definitely have a cushion for an emergency. And, um, I, I was kind of uh, I've been really losing sleep over this with all the mandate stuff going on and figuring out what am I going to do? And, right. you know, my I, I think I'm safe as of right now. However, I will like this is my hill. Like, I'm not going to I, I have something to prove to my children that you never compromise what's right. So I'm prepared for whatever happens. And I've been pursuing different avenues of what I could do in the event that things go the way I don't want them to go. And. I realized uh, this just yesterday. I made this purchase that something I've been interested in for a couple of years that I've really been wanting to just own as a tool because I love building stuff and love doing doing woodwork is a CNC router. So I was like yesterday, I was like, you know what? I've been thinking about this for two years. I talked to my wife. I was like, let's just buy it. Like we got the space now. We got the bigger house. I have a three car detached garage where I can build my shop out. And I was like, here's the thing. Like, I want this as kind of a toy right now just to build stuff and learn something just to scratch an itch. But if shit does hit the fan, like, you bet your ass I'll be in that garage 16 hours a day learning that thing like it's my job <laughs> until I find something profitable to do with it. I love so it. It's, yeah, I think looking at for different avenues of, of what kind of fits your niche, like for you, it's podcasting, clearly. I mean, you're, something you can build to make income. Mm -hmm. um, is something that should be on everyone's radar. If, if you're of this mindset right now, you should be really putting some thought into what you can do. Um, do you ever listen to uh, or read much of Naval Ravikant, the uh, tech guru? I've I've either heard or, or read some things from him, but it's been a while. Yeah, he's he's got some very powerful quotes. Um, but he, he had a quote about how any situation in life, you can either accept it, change it, or leave it. Like those are your mm -hmm. three options in every single challenge. So that's where people are getting put right now. It's like, are you yep. going to accept this? You can't change it. That's not an option. And not until it collapses on itself, you're not right. going to be able to stop it. So it's really accept it or leave it. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing the latter if it does affect me. Hey, I, let me, let me start by commending you for, you know, standing on your principles and being willing to sacrifice something serious. Cause this is what I've been saying to people repeatedly is like, if, if at no point you are willing to sacrifice something, this will never stop. Never. And the government will take this as far as they possibly can because there has been no pushback basically the entire time. And I'm not calling for violence, but I am calling for people to, you know, practice what they preach a little bit here. Like, if you don't believe that you should have to get something put into your body in order to 
have employment, then tell your fucking employer to shove it up their ass. You know, like I know, I know, I know it's very easy for me to say that, but this is like, I promise you if I was working at Verizon wireless, when I was a broke ass 22, 23 year old, and they said I had to get injected with something to work there, I would have told them to shove it up their fucking ass. That's how I live. This is who I am. And, and, um, I just think that this is like, this is a red line, man. This is like, this is it. This is where we decide, do we want to allow this to continue? Because we should have not, we should have never allowed for 15 days to slow the spread. Um, we should have never allowed for mass mandates. We certainly shouldn't have allowed for mass mandates for children. Now we shouldn't have allowed for uh, Vs for K through 12, like what's happening in California. That's insane. And and now we have Vs for employment. I mean, this right. is... This slippery slope is not a joke, folks. Like this is this is happening, and uh, you know I think that the great thing about this is that the more you're willing to sacrifice right now, the less you're going to have to sacrifice. Because if enough people are willing to say, "I will give up my income stream right now to tell you this is not acceptable," it ends, and we don't have to give up our income streams. So. I really hope that people listening to this take that to heart. Realize that this is not futile. This is not hopeless. We have a chance to actually turn the tide of history. We have the chance to prevent war. I mean, that's that's where we're going. If we have a 10 to 15% population in this country that is never able to have a serious job and they all have to enter the black market if they're not willing to get the V, that's that is groundwork for real social conflict moving forward. Um, so if you believe in peace and you want peace, you kind of have to act like an asshole right now. So I hope, I hope more people will. Agreed. And for anyone who's skeptical saying like, Oh, easy for you to say you're a single guy with, with a decent amount of wealth. I'm 31. I have five miles of feet at home on one income and I am on the same page. I am ready to figure it out. I guarantee you failure. My kids will not starve. They will not sleep at night in the streets. I will figure it out because yes. I have enough confidence in my skills and abilities, whether it be buying and selling sport, like, you know, sports cars or, or snowmobiles or uh, or building stuff. Like I'll, I'll figure it out if, if I have to feed my kids like and I have I'm not going to sit around watching NASCAR going, I don't know what to do now. Like, no, I'm going to be figuring it out. I'll downsize my house. I'll, I'll yeah. move in with my parents. I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do. Like, and, it's and not an option to fail. L- let me let me back this up with I have talked to. I mean, hundreds of people have DM me about this mm-hmm. and, and they're all saying the same thing. I mean, there is a real momentum behind this where like a huge percentage of the population is going to say, we're not doing this. And, and if there is that percentage of a population that follows through with this declaration, this shit will end. They can't the like, I just, I just talked to a couple pilots today. I was out on their boat and these guys both were like, I will quit my job. I will, and these guys have been pilots for a long time. And for those that don't know, there aren't enough pilots to go around. So if you have 15% of a fleet that says we're done, the airline's done. I mean, you're, you're in serious trouble as a business. <clears throat> and if, it. if you have 10 to 15% across the board, across all industries saying the same thing, the entire economy's done. So like we have the power, but we gotta, we gotta take our opportunity, take this opportunity to demonstrate it. Yeah, I think it's important to find your like minds around you wherever you're employed or wherever you're yes. being faced with these challenges because you people are afraid if they feel alone. Like you don't want to be the the sheep that gets exactly away from the herd, you know? Right. And then get the one that gets taken out by the wolf. But you know, and, 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 and I oh go ahead. I was just gonna say to your point about 
you know, how you're going to find a way to make an income for your family. I mean, the, this is the time that the past 18 months have been the time to be finding another skill set, an entrepreneurial mm -hmm. outlet, some, some way to become more financially free, to be less dependent on, um, you know, a, a large sized employer. And I hope that people have already begun that process. But if you haven't, it's not too late. It's just important that you do not delay any further. You have to put the time in, the energy, and most importantly, find your passion. Mm. Do something that you really care about. It doesn't, I mean, it's great if you can make money and some people will just do that to survive. And I, and I can respect that, especially if you have kids, you got to do what you got to do. But I'll tell you, if you are passionate about what you're doing, which I've been passionate about everything I've done in my life, basically, thank God. Um, if you're passionate about what you're doing, not only will you not have to be hungry, but you'll actually end up accruing way more wealth because you'll never do something you hate as well as you can do something you're passionate about. Um, so I really hope that people do not just say, oh, well, I've delayed too much. And so now I'm just going to go be a you know garbage man or whatever, whatever job you would hate. I, I'm not shitting on garbage men. Um, just, just keep in mind, like you can still make money doing what you're passionate about, but you got to really be passionate about <laughs> it. And, and you got to really like hit it with all of your energy. I think that's a great rule for life in general. Um, yes. I mean, I'm the same way. I've never stated a job I hated. If I did, I'd be gone. Like I, I don't like hating waking up. So no, exactly. <laughs> like I would, I'd just be gone and find something different. You only um, live once, man. If you hate every day, like yeah. fuck that, do not yeah. do that. That, or, and that that is a big inspiration from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's great about talking about oh, that. Like, yeah. That guy's living some different level of reality. But <laughs> well, he is. Awesome. He is. But I mean, think about how many millions of young men and women he has inspired to pursue their their wildest dreams. I, yeah. mean, I am I am one of them. I probably I, if it weren't for Dave and Rogan, there's no doubt I'm not doing what I'm doing right now. Sure. So, um, these it, what's great about it is like not only is your life better, you get but you get to inspire others to do um, you know what they're passionate about. So just just have yeah. faith. The one thing I think Rogan doesn't get enough credit for, <clears throat> I was talking to my cousin about this a few weeks ago. I was like, he's really made being fit and healthy cool. Like people 100%. look up to him. And it's not like a rock star where it's like they're doing drugs and just getting laid and staying out and partying. Like that's like, that's attractive to young men. Right. Like Rogan's made it like, hey, I'm in my 50s. Like, look at me. Take care of your body. Take these vitamins. Like work out. Like right. that's invaluable when you have a platform as large as he has like for what that's going to do to to young men listening to and women anyone listening to him that's he has these these dietitian experts on and exercise mm -hmm. experts like that's something that i don't know not enough people talk about but he's really kind of mainstreamed being fit and healthy into being like a cool bro you know right right no it's it, you're <laughs> it right it, it definitely when i was younger it was like just party all the time and it wasn't it wasn't so much about um, taking care of yourself physically. What I like is that not only does he talk about physical health, but he talks about spiritual health in a way, too. Like um, he doesn't take it into the spiritual realm, per se, but he talks about ayahuasca journeys, which whether or not you know it, that's a very spiritual thing. And, you know, he's at Duncan Trussell. Duncan Trussell uh, has been on a show a ton of times. He's probably my favorite guest. He led me down the spiritual path and the meditation path. I then found Ramdas and and be here now, and I learned that you know my anxiety disorder was manageable if I was able to bring myself to the present and stop worrying about the past so much or or the future for that matter. Um, so like, yeah, I mean my my entire life has benefited from podcasts. Like, think about how crazy that is, but it's true, and mm -hmm. I, and I love it because I now get to I now get to pay it forward, as they say. Like, 
I now have Carrie Wedler on my show and I talk about meditation with her because I believe in it. I think it's a really valuable thing and I believe in financial freedom and that's what I've done too. So like I've, I'm basically what I'm saying is I am following in Rogan's footsteps in that all he did was talk about his life experiences. It wasn't in a lecturing way for, per se, but it was just like, hey, I am a lot happier than the people listening to this right now and here's why. And now I get to say the same thing. Um, so I think it's great, man. I just think he's he's changed the world, really. For sure. No, that's that's it's very um, it's very cool to have this whole podcast experience in our generation because it sounds like you put a lot of hours of listening in as oh. well throughout the last five infinity. Years. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I've I've been at my job for nearly six years, and I've been doing a thousand miles a week every week since then. So I've maybe for like the first two months, I was like, oh yeah, let's listen, listen to some music. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. And then after like two months of driving that much, you're like fuck music i can't, <laughs> can't do anymore so i i found exactly. podcasts and that's right away it was like rogan stapleton and then i found tom woods and dave smith and like those are my regular back then right and it's uh i think i mentioned this a couple episodes ago but i looked at my stitcher app which i've had since 2016 not too long ago and i think i've accrued more hours than a bachelor degree requires like <laughs> it's it's insane how many hours like, oh dude i've listened i've listened to thousands of hours of joe rogan yeah. speak i mean think about how crazy that is yeah, i'm like, like i'm like almost an expert in joe roganology so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, like it's so I weird he has, he has no idea who you are but you know no. so much about his life and his voice and <laughs> exactly i mean that 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 was the trippiest thing about meeting dave is and and, yeah. and going on his show and having him come on mine multiple times it was like like i i feel like i know you you don't know me at all i mean he knew yes. me from twitter a little bit but um you know, it's just it's just such a weird clash. And now the crazy thing is I have that happening to me where I have people meeting me and saying, dude, I've been listening to your show all year. You've like you basically saved my sanity because you were the only person that felt how I did about this. And that's so powerful to me because like I don't even know, you know, I just yeah. I see I see download numbers, but that doesn't mean anything that doesn't give me any humanity to it. So when someone yeah. comes up to me and says, like, man, you you kept me sane. Like it's, it's so gratifying. I don't, I don't need to make a penny from this. That's, that's oh, yeah. honestly how I feel. Yeah. That was very similar. We, cause I, I met David freedom fest. Uh, my, right. my buddy and I were walking in on the first day and he's outside. He's like, he was like texting somebody. So we didn't want to interrupt. I was like, Oh shit, there's Dave. Like I've you know, never seen him in person. I've been listening to him for five years. And I was just like, I'm not going to bother him. He's texting, but he could tell that we recognized him. So he's like, right. what's up guys? What's up? And like, <laughs> so we went over and then, then he saw our shirts. We had Paul's of the Wall. He's like, oh, shit. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Oh, like, was, that's awesome. Yeah. He was like super, I mean, just as cool in person as you expected. Just super nice guy. We chatted for like five minutes, but it was so weird. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been listening to you for like five years. He goes, oh, wow. Well, th thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. You don't know that. Like, I know, right? It's so bizarre. <laughs> like, and then and then when he starts talking, you're just like, everything everything he like leads to you kind of know where he's going because you just know how his brain works after a while like mm -hmm. that's how that's how i felt with dave when we were talking um the only thing was he he didn't hold back as much like he was definitely willing to say it exactly how he felt it was like that's awesome he was he was uh all guns blazing but yeah he's an amazing guy i mean that that's the other cool thing about long form podcasts is like after x amount of hours people can't they can't hold the mirage you know they can't hold the the persona if it's if you're not who you are, people are going to sense it. And I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's also part of the reason that I've been successful with the podcast game is that like, this is who I am, man. <laughs> so like yeah. there is no, there's no um, performative nature to what I'm doing. Like this is genuinely how I feel. And I'm really, I am genuinely this passionate. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't. 
Um, yeah. So that's that's it was really great to meet Dave and get to learn that firsthand. Like he is the true true blue deal. Dude, I mean, I will say that about everyone I met at Freedom Fest. I mean, yeah. every. Um, I mean, did you, did you get a chance to talk to like Gene Epstein at all? When you were yeah. There? Well, I've had I've had him on my show, but I I yeah. did not meet Gene at uh, Freedom Fest. So he's been on our show four times, including Freedom Fest. He was oh, that's he, did, awesome. he did a live one there, but we had been messaging back and forth for months leading up to Freedom Fest, and he's like, "Hey, let's." Uh, he does like his Soho dinner, so he invited us out to that. And we were trying to do it, but then like we didn't make reservations. Everything was booked, so it didn't work out. Uh, it was the end of the story. But the first day I got there, I'm at registration line, um, and I look back and I see Gene. And once again, I've never seen this guy in person. I'm just on screens and you know talking to him on a podcast. And I was like, oh, there's Gene. So I was like, and he told me to, like look him up when I got there. Like, I had his cell phone number, and I turn around and and like, I walk up and he's like talking to one of his buddies. And I was like, oh shit. I don't want my first impression to be like interrupting <laughs> to right. say hi. And I also right. have this hover rule that my brother and I established. Like you don't hover around someone more than like seven seconds. If they don't turn to you and acknowledge you, keep moving. Or you're just like, they're a creepy fan. So I just, <laughs> just keep moving. So um, finally I see Gene and, you know, by then I had my registration with my name tag on there. And I was like, hi, Mr. Epstein. And he, he looks at me and doesn't know who I am. Looks down at my name tag. He goes, Mike, oh. Oh, it's my Paul boys! And gives me this big bear hug. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh hell yeah! Like, I right? That it, went man. better than I thought. But <laughs> it was just, and then we we hung out for. I mean, he met my wife and kids, my parents. We had lunch together. We podcasted together there. It was like this is like you're like the godfather of libertarian podcasters. Like this is so bizarre. Yeah. That like. And, I'm, well, and he kept like complimenting my show saying he listens to it. And I'm like, dude, this is fucking blowing my mind. Like, I know. It's so crazy. I mean, yeah, that that's the other thing that's blown my mind when prior to me getting to know Dave, he had followed me on Twitter and he, he brought up while well, he's talking to Dave Rubin and, and uh, he was on lines of Liberty with Dave Rubin and he brings up my tweet and he like, he paraphrases my tweet and he doesn't give wow. me any credit because he didn't know who I was at the time, but it was just like, I am, I am literally already influencing the people who influenced me like that is so wild and wow. and now i'm friends with him like genuinely and that's, that's uh, awesome. even more wild like this is it's so crazy but i think that the thing that i've now learned because i am now kind of like not looked up to but appreciated by a handful of other people um is that when they meet me they also are surprised that i'm you know as kind and grateful and and loving to I can vouch for it. It's true. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> um, and and people are are surprised by it. I'm like, look, we are all just passionate people. None of us are making none of us are making billions of dollars doing this. Like this is this we are doing this for the right reasons. So um, you're not dealing with like running into Kanye West in the mall. Like these are Dave Smith is super famous to us, but he's not like he can go shopping. He can go to yeah, Walmart and not exactly. get recognized by 95% of people. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect level of fame, really. I d like, I couldn't agree more. And yeah. and uh I love I love the fact that throughout 99.9% .9 of my life, no one knows who I am. And then I go to some libertarian event and half the people know who I am. I think that's the yeah. perfect way to live because it's you get to feel both, you know. Yeah, and you know, even even our show is as small and in 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 its infancy as it is, right? We had probably a dozen people come up like that knew our show, listen to like a lot of stuff, like happy that's, to meet us. So and like, cool, and there's even like one, uh, one chick that was a pilot saying like, she didn't know anyone. And she messaged us on Twitter saying she like, what only came because she heard we were coming. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's incredible. I, yeah. So I was like, that's, that's pretty wild. I was like, this is pretty, pretty cool to, uh, 
have like a following. Like you said, like I didn't, I didn't know. I see numbers. I right. never see faces or names. Yeah. So it's kind of like, cool you're like, are these people them. just downloading and not listening? And then you, you run into them and they're like, they're quoting you and you're like, Oh shit. All right. Yeah. You definitely weird. are listening. <laughs> yeah, It feels really weird too. Cause it's like, you're so like, even some of my like old high school friends have found out about the podcast and they've been like, Oh, I'm gonna check this out. And they'll go back to my, my old first 10 episodes. I'm like, Dude, I don't know what I said, but I feel like I, it probably sucks because it was so long ago. <laughs> and then I listen back to him once in a while for a little bit. I'm like, I, no, I, I would have published it if I didn't think it was decent. So all right. Right. <laughs> I, I should go back and listen to my first 10. I bet it's not great, but uh, I haven't done it yet. I'm just I, all eyes forward. Yeah, man. No, it's I think that's uh, it's probably the, the right path to, to stay on. Yeah, for now, for now. I mean, maybe I'll, you know. 10 years from now, I'll go back and listen to my first episodes and be like, whoa, this is, that was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> Even from my first podcast I, that we did, I still have all the files saved from 2016 from my car podcast. And like, even though it's like the RSS feed has been deleted, no one can even find them. I, I feel like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to listen to them. It's just like, it's like a ba- embarrassing <laughs> picture of yourself. Like, I don't know. I mean, totally. It's quite fine, yeah. but it's just like, it's weird looking back on it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's only been a year and a half. So it's like, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not. It, what's probably really wild is I I think that I was, because at the time I didn't have any listeners and I didn't feel as if there was a community that was like vibing with me and, and seeing the same dangers I was, I was probably way more aggro. <laughs> than I am now you know now I feel some sem- semblance of hope because I have so many people that are listening and telling me and dming me and you know all this stuff and, and meeting me and thanking me and it's like all right well that means that they're I'm not alone in this and I hope everyone can feel that some at some point in the in the near future is that like we're not alone in this fight like it, if you're on the cusp of losing your job there are millions of people feeling the exact same way, way you are right now right and uh, what's that and find them just see those are the yeah. people you want to stick with the like yeah find them talk to them um be be as vocal as you can right now man because like this is this is do or die time if we if we let this one through i don't i don't think there's any going back that's my honest opinion <clears throat> and i'll i'll recommend to people um i know you said you're not like a super religious person last time we spoke but um and i I was raised straight Catholic and then I kind of got away all through my twenties but having kids I kind of slow back down and we we go to a non denominational uh, church now in our in our little 3000 person town here and i will say there is a network there that i see why this has been around since the dawn of man like we are surrounded by like minds people my age with large families all late 20s early 40s all with two to five kids each 90 percent of them homeschool they talked my wife into homeschooling now it's been like the best thing that's like I mean, I look forward to every Sunday morning. It's like my, my favorite part it. of the week because there's so many just like minds. You know, it's not about following some organized religion and doing all of these ceremonial things. If that's what makes you cringe about it, then don't join one of those. Right. This is like a non-denominational one where it's just a lot of good people that yeah. live by these values. Much like libertarianism, they live by Christian values, which very much intertwine. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think what you're what you're describing is community instead of religion. Yep. And, and, For sure. and, you know, my my religion, my community is the libertarian world now, you know, like it, it, I do feel saved by it in a weird way, you know, funny story. So the, the week my wife got talked into homeschooling was the week we got back from freedom fest. And when I was at freedom fest, I interviewed Connor Boyack, who is the author of the Tuttle twin series, which I love his book series ever since my daughter started reading. I heard him on Tom Woods years ago, but it was long before my daughter could read, but now she got into reading and our library is full of, 
radical indoctrination book. So I don't even <laughs> allow her inside there. So I'm like, no, this is like, this is like food. There's healthy and there's junk. Like we're going to only put healthy in your brain. So, yeah. uh, I talked to Connor there for a while. They're also making a TV show, had a great conversation with him. And I don't tell anyone in my community about my podcast. Cause like, I don't, we're pretty non-traditional with mainstream opinion, whether you be right, right or left. So I'm going to piss either one of you off if you're traditional <laughs> mindset. But, um, the woman who talked to my, my wife into homeschooling was talking about these different curriculums. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah. And the, the, the Tuttle twins have one. And she's like, oh yeah, the Tuttle twins. We we're looking into that one. And I was like, wait, you know, the Tuttle twins, like I just, it was the first time I talked to her and she goes, yeah, I just heard them on a, on a podcast that she listens to about homeschooling. Like uh, Connor was on that show talking. And I was like, I interviewed the author on Saturday. <laughs> She's like, wait, wait what? <laughs> and like, yeah, I was like, actually, I got two copies of the whole series. So I gave, I went home. We had, a, we had a church picnic that day. I brought back a full series of all 12 books for her. It just like blew her mind. It's like her first time talking to us. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, like I'm deep in this world. Like this is, this is these are my people. <laughs> these these are my people, sister. Yeah, no, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, we're, we're at little past 50 minutes but anything you want to close on any uh uh yeah i mean i would just say that like really like i i know we're just talking into a microphone and i know uh you know we still joked and we had a a bunch of uh points of levity in this conversation but like the moment you are living through right now is is so heavy it's so important like i genuinely believe you are living through one of the most important points in human history do not comply. Do not comply. I, I just, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Like try and give your business to places that don't require masks. Definitely don't give your business to any businesses that require V's for their employees or for customers. Like make them pay a price for treating you as if you don't own your own body. Like that's, that's the key here. Um, and as for Past the uh, the heaviness of that note, I have an incredible lineup coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, I can't even remember all the names, but another guy who got me into podcasting, and I cannot believe he's coming on my show, is Adam Curry of No Agenda Podcast. I am so thrilled to have him. He's a VJ for MTV in the 80s, and then he went on to having, uh, in my opinion, the greatest podcast ever in No Agenda. It's just phenomenal. It has absolutely you know, inspired so many of the topics that I've covered on my show in depth. Um, I also have Dave Rubin just confirmed for third week of nice. October, which is enormous. Um, I have uh, David Limbrick coming on tomorrow. He is the MP for Victoria in Australia. That that'll be an incredible conversation. I, he told me, I, I actually, I probably can't say what he DM me, but it's um, <laughs> trust me. You don't want to miss that one. Uh, I've got, God, I don't, I don't even know. Just trust me. You want to, you want to check it out. So subscribe to Liberty Lockdown. I think I saw Ian Crossland too, right? Uh, Ian Crossland, yeah. uh, Lids from Timcast uh, as well. I mean, the li literally the list is insane. Zuby, a bunch. Just, just keep going. It's inc it's incredible. I don't even know why people are saying yes like this as well. No, I mean your your show has like moved its way into my feed. Like, like I said last time I talked to you, I didn't know I needed another one. I thought Tom and Dave was right, all right, I really right. needed to know everything <laughs> that's going on in the Liberty world, but. It's like no, you you offer something different and confidently, and no, it's it's great. Everyone should, if you follow my show, you should definitely check out Clint, and vice but, versa, um, brother. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, dude, I appreciate your time. Uh, this is great. Um, yeah, Absolutely. you're welcome back anytime, dude. Thank thank you so much. It's always always a blast. All right.
Take care. And